What's up everyone? On today's episode, I walk through the five things that I learned from stand-up comedy that I use in my business, specifically in sales. Check it out. Hey everyone, welcome back to Contractor Growth Network. I'm Logan. I'm Alex. And today's episode is kind of a fun one. So what I want to do is is I want to walk through the five things that I learned. I took a stand-up comedy class and on the seventh week of the class, which is the finale, I had to perform in front of about what do you say, 35,000 people? Yeah, that's about, yeah, size. <laughs> about three or 400 people in the audience. Um, but going through the class, I learned five super important things that I've actually been putting into place myself and it helps immensely in the business. All right, so first thing that we want to do is just get it over with. We'll, we'll play the clip if you're on podcast. Um, it's about seven minutes long, seven and a half minutes long. So if you don't want to listen to it, it's not crazy raunchy, but it does cuss a little bit i wouldn't play it at work or in front of your grandma unless your grandma's cool cool but yeah i mean i asked my mom i was like would grandma want to see this she's like uh, i just don't think she'd be able to keep up with it but she'd be okay with it my grandma would like to see it. My, my girlfriend's parents were in the audience for this yeah so and 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 we weren't allowed to like really cuss because of like we're in the south so yeah it's cool so go ahead if you don't want to listen to it skip about seven minutes ahead if you're on youtube you'll obviously be able to see what's what so go ahead all right, we got a couple more comics for y'all tonight. All right, this next comedian is a vegan comedian. A lot like a normal comedian, but much more friendly. <laughs> so y'all make some noise for Logan Schinholzer. How good was Michael? <laughs> Being up on stage, this shit's pretty hard. Because the number one fear in America is the fear of public speaking. Lucky for me, my number one fear is not public speaking. It's the fear of having to spell under pressure. I first learned this a few years ago when I was getting my cat registered to live at our apartment complex, and I'm sitting across from the apartment complex leasing office lady. My cat is a Siamese cat, which yells from China. The leasing office lady across from me, she also yells from China. All right, so this is a cat that the Chinese are very, very proud of. It's kind of like the Aussies with the speed and agility of the Australian Shepherd, or the English with the inbreeding of their bulldog, just like the royal family. <laughs> so this is my opportunity to show this leasing office lady that I'm proud of her culture, I'm supportive of her. I mean, I can't just whip out my phone and show her that I have Asian favorite on Pornhub. <laughs> She slides her form across the table. First line down, type of animal. Cat. And then bam, second line down, breed of animal. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, shoot, how do I spell out Siamese? So I write something down, cross it out. Write something else down, cross it out. And I was like, screw it. Write a third thing down, check off all the boxes. She's got all of her uh, shots done. She's spayed. And I slide it back to this lady. Lady goes, your cat is a sesame? <laughs> I'm like, oh, how did I mix up their national type of cat with the national type of chicken? <laughs> but before moving to Charlotte, I actually used to work as a high diver in a dolphin show at SeaWorld out in San Diego. One lady had to see my fish. When I first started working there, they had this one really weird rule. You may not 
make eye contact with the dolphins. And I'm obviously thinking like, what are all the reasons that this came about? And I figure it's because dolphins are the only other breed outside of humans that have sex for fun. And SeaWorld knows that, you know, if I keep making eye contact with dolphins, they're gonna think that I'm asking for it. Hey, you Barrett. You see that new boy? I think he's been giving you the eyes. And then, God forbid, I slip and fall into the dolphin tank. Barry the dolphin takes about eight years of pent progression out of my asshole. <laughs> well, come to find out, it's actually because if you make eye contact with the dolphins and you don't immediately feed them when they come over to you, they're going to get pissed and they're going to rebel. So when I get fired from SeaWorld about six months later, on my way out, I'm making eye contact with everybody. And I have no idea what chaos ensued as soon as I walked out of there, but I would imagine it's probably the dolphin equivalent of like a full-on prison riot. You know, you got Barry makes a shit out of a fish spine, stabs Dolores with it. You got Bubble shits into his fin, throws it at the trainers trying to blind them. And then you get back and turn on the news. And tonight's top story, a disgruntled former SeaWorld employee starts a dolphin ride leaving two dolphins severely injured and seven trainers with pink eye. So, you're probably thinking now at this point, you know, this guy's life sucks. He can't stop the pressure, and he got fired from the amphibious version of Carol's. But I do have one fun party trick. Kind of. Whenever I smoke weed, my body decides it's time to get an erection. True story. Which, the first time I ever learned that this was a thing was when I was sitting in between two of my buddies on one of those really tiny IKEA couches. And of all the scenarios that you're meant to prep for when you're between two of your buddies on a small IKEA couch, a weed boner is definitely not one of them. You know, you got the standard like, oh, what are we gonna watch for the next four hours on Netflix? Or like, oh, how's IKEA get this couch so soft? Or that typical, hey man, you think that Postmates dude knew that we were high? So, I've got this weed boner and I'm, I'm dealing with it. And it's gotten so bad at this point, I now have to smoke weed to get it up. <laughs> Which means that every time I've had sex over the past three years, I've been hot. Yeah. <laughs> Which means that for three years now, my girlfriend has had sex with somebody who just giggles for about two minutes and 38 straight seconds. <laughs> and I gotta give her credit because she'd be all, she'd be getting into it, really trying to set the mood. Like, give her some good moans, like, yeah. Oh. And then high me, we're hitting her back with a Mickey Mouse, ha ha! <laughs> Is that 
I lose focus halfway through the performance so often that I'm getting up and going to the kitchen to make myself a sandwich. <laughs> well, we got a workout where now I bring all my snacks with me to the bedroom. I got my checks fixed on the left next stand. I got my hot pocket on the right. I get up, she thinks about to go down in her. I got a foot roll at the foot of the bed. And I'm high when we finish, because you don't get unhigh in two minutes and 48 seconds. But she won't have pillow talk with me. So what I've now learned is that the number one way to kill your Postmates rating and put it down to about a 2.8 star rating is by trying to have pillow talk with the Postmates guy still with a full-on erection <laughs> talking about the dolphin ride of 2015. <laughs> Thank you very much. Hey, Logan Sinholz, everybody. Here we go. Okay, we're picking back up. You just watched it. You probably laughed your ass off. Mm -hmm. All right. So let me walk you through the the class and how it went, and then I'll start to kind of jump into what I learned from it all. So first off, um, a lot of what I'm about to talk about is all sales related. Okay. So the class was six weeks long, and the way that the class worked was the very first class was just how to set up a joke, how to tell it. Um, Things like that. Do you know how a joke is structured or like what goes into jokes, things like, you know? No, not really. I just know like you have to have a certain timing. There's a rhythm. I don't know what the rhythm is, but it, like the punchline's got to hit at a certain point. So there's – exactly. So there's always a, a premise, which is a general theme. There's a setup, which actually sets the joke up. Then there's the punchline, which is like the joke. Mm -hmm. um, as a joke, there's different ways to do it. You got jokes that are coming like sets – like rules of three, like – when you listen to the the stand-up I just did, you'll notice that a lot of things all came in threes, and it's deliberate for that. You've got things called callbacks, which at the end you bring back a joke. There's a lot of different intricacies to it. So the very first week was all about jokes. Mm -hmm. What are they, how they work, uh, things like that. Um, and what we learned in there was jokes, just like people you're selling to, they're sheep. Right, you're what you're doing is when you're doing stand-up comedy is you're trying to train the audience to laugh. Mm -hmm. So what they talk about is with Dave Chappelle, when he says a joke and he hits the punchline, he takes the mic, he slaps it on his leg, and that is the cue to the audience laugh. Mm -hmm. So even if it's not funny, the audience still knows it's time to laugh. Mm -hmm. So it was cool because they, they – and I'll talk more about that with the timing aspect of all this, but they teach you just the basics of it. Then the next week is you got to come in. And you got to have three premises. And what a premise is is just the overall theme of what you're going to talk about. It's not actually jokes. It's more of just like a funny story because what comedy is is a funny story that happened to you at some point in your life that you just exaggerate to the nth degree. So as you guys hear, what I just talked about, clearly I wasn't hooking up with dolphins. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> That would be very extreme. Yeah. <laughs> but you take like one little tiny thing that – may or may not have happened in your life and you literally just push the envelope deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper trying to find humor in it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did there was just took all three of those premises and just pushed the um, – like I'm bad at spelling. Did a whole story on leasing – like all this stuff, but leasing office lady, uh, you know, the smoking thing, like all that stuff is just like a tiny, tiny 
bit of it and then you just push it. So mm -hmm. that was the second class. Third class was actually come in and in between the second and third class, write everything down, literally write everything down that you could think of for each one of those premises. And then you just read it in front of the class. Then the fourth class was between the third and fourth class, you're supposed to chop it down, try to get it from maybe 15 minutes of material down to five. Mm -hmm. So remove a lot of stuff. Uh, fifth and sixth class were just actually practicing and doing the memory stuff. Um, and then seventh class was actually speaking it. So that's kind of how the class ran, just so you have an understanding of this was all, I went from nothing to being on stage in seven weeks. I had two professional teachers there to help me with the comedy stuff, just to kind of give you a background because a lot of this is no different than sales courses and sales classes teaching you how to sell better. Did you going into it, did you think your sales training and uh, no, oh, that no way. No, no, dude. I thought it was just straight. Cause I like I, going into it, I was like, okay, I'm okay on stage. Mm -hmm. I think I'm naturally like kind of a witty guy. Um, so I was like, okay, I think I'll be okay at this stuff. But I had no idea that I was gonna like learn that what I was gonna learn and then bring it back to actually like selling, which I've done for the CSA since then. That's why we have a new script, and that's why I'm getting more into like teaching people how to say stuff versus what to say, mm -hmm. which I'll get into, but like I took so much away from that because it was really just how to communicate with somebody. Okay. And it was very well done yeah. in the comedy world because it's in sales, you get like that, I'll think about it. You get the like maybe later if they're gonna say no, but in comedy, they just don't laugh. Yeah. So I, it's very obvious. I thought your, your timing was very good for as Thank a you. person who's never done comedy before to like go on stage and, and time out your jokes pretty well. Cause there was some of the people that went on there in your class that they, uh, you know, their timing, you can just tell was like, that wasn't a thing for them. They were just telling a story and whenever, whenever it landed, it landed like that was it. But yours was pretty well thought out. And I know when you sell, you're, you're pretty good with timing, your pauses and all that stuff. So I thought that was a good comparison for it. So let's just go ahead and jump in on that first one. Cause that's one of the five things that I learned was the timing aspect of it. So mm -hmm. like what Alex is talking about is with timing, it's when you set up a joke, it's how does it flow? So what happens when you first do comedy apparently is you get in there and you'll hit your punchline, but because you're not confident in it, you hit the punchline and then you keep going. So you'll like in this one, I'd be like, oh, how did I mess up the national type of chicken? Now, before I moved here, like, which what that does is that is the same way that when you hit your punchline and you don't shut up, that doesn't give the audience time to actually um, laugh. Mm -hmm. And if you keep going, you train that audience not to laugh, mm -hmm. which is why Dave Chappelle trains the audience to laugh. So when it comes to the timing, when you hit it and you stop and you let everybody know, hey, this is the punchline because you're hitting with them with a pause, they know this is the time to laugh. Mm -hmm. Now, how does that relate to sales? We all know that, well, you're supposed to know, when you give out a price, you then shut up. Mm -hmm. Because what you then do is, when you give the price, a lot of people initially, they if, if it's more than they thought it was gonna be, they go into a minor version of fight or flight mode. And from there, they don't really know how to react. So you gotta give them some time to kind of go through their own thoughts. So what you're doing is you go, yep, this website's gonna cost 10 grand. Shut up. And just let them think about what's going on. Let them imagine or play in their own head. Wow, that's way more than I thought it was gonna be. Again, still let them think it through because you gotta give them time to actually understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do this though, because yeah. it's kind of like in comedy, when you hit a punchline, you have to stop and wait for them to laugh. But what if they don't laugh? Mm -hmm. 
that's why bombing and comedy is such it's a big fear but it happens because you have to have that pause like you said and if no one laughs then you're bombing and it just gets more and more awkward so in sales it's kind of the same thing as you're afraid of rejection so you're you're counteracting that by not uh but just keep going with your sales pitch and hoping at the end they'll either say yes or no but it's like no, let them kind of come to you a little bit. A hundred percent. That's exactly right. Where you don't have the confidence in your numbers or at least the delivery of your numbers to let them think what they're going to think. Because mm-hmm. if you keep blowing through what it's going to, you know, after you give the price, then now you're trying to save yourself by making yourself feel better. But in reality, the people, they don't, they don't hear anything you say at that point. They don't give a shit because they're like, yeah, I'm either in it or I'm out, mm-hmm. you know, oh, 10 grand. I'm out for 10 grand. Okay, I can do that. But you got to give them the time to do that. And you got to let them know, hey, this is now the time for you to speak. And you let me know what you're thinking. I'm going to let you continue to talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's a scenario where it's very tough to do. And that's what like a big thing that I learned with the comedy stuff was the timing of it all. Slow it down, let it flow. And then when you hit a punchline, you have to shut up. You have to embrace the silence and let the audience do what they want to do mm-hmm. instead of you t- say the punchline and then you keep going because you're nervous of what they're going to say because then they don't ever laugh. Mm-hmm. So if you say a price and you just continue to go, you're going to lose them. Yeah. I, I never realized until actually uh, breaking it down how timing and confidence really go hand in hand because if you're not really going to laugh at someone who's not confident in themselves. It's kind of awkward, and you're not going to laugh. They don't mm-hmm. think it's funny. And in sales, you're not going to buy something from somebody if they're not confident in their own product or service. Exactly. And that's the second thing that I learned was it's all about enthusiasm mm-hmm. on stage. So I don't know if you noticed it when you watched the everybody else perform that night. There were certain people that I, f- I find that from being in the class with them, they are significantly funnier than I am. However, they were nervous on stage. Mm-hmm. And when they were nervous on stage, it was obvious so when they hit their punchline, they kind of just slimed through it. Yeah. Even though they were like some of the things were I was dying in class listening to what they were talking about. But when they get up there, they get nervous and they couldn't continue on with it. Um, and it just looked visually it looked bad. Mm-hmm. So yeah. f- for me, like a big part of it was because I went and watched some open mic nights beforehand. I watched there's one girl specifically hurt. I don't think I laughed a single time during her performance. It was 10 minutes long. I didn't laugh a single time. But I was like, that was so fun to watch. Not funny, but fun to watch because she was so into it. She was so energetic, so enthusiastic about it that even though I didn't laugh, it was it was entertaining mm-hmm. and I enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. So I knew going up on stage, even if my jokes are not funny, if I can try to transfer my energy into the audience, then I, I, I'm at least going to like entertain half the crowd here. Yeah. Yeah, no, because it was a couple of people in your class that I felt like they were just so nervous, but they were stiff on stage. And yeah, they were just in front of the microphone, just kind of looking forward and, and like doing the you know stage fright tactics. But you got to have that move around ability for me to like you know that's why they walk across that big stage, all the mm-hmm. comedians, and they 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 attract the whole crowd, and it's like you're engaged in it still. And I mean, I guess that might be hard to convey over the phone if you're selling, mm-hmm. but it's the tonality of your voice I think that also can help that because you can't really actually see them you know people can feel it people Mm -hmm. can feel um what you're you know how you're feeling how you're you're speaking to them they know if you're smiling or not so the energy side is huge because think about it like when was the last time you bought something from someone that you weren't excited about 
probably never. Never, yeah. especially if you're in a, in a contracting industry that's very pleasure-based. Mm -hmm. You know, you're probably not too excited to get the mold remediated from your bathroom. Mm -hmm. But if you are a kitchen remodeler, nobody's going to buy and go, yeah, I guess uh, – I guess I'll just do the $75,000 option. Yeah, well, I'm in the middle of an apartment search and I'm going to look at apartments and that immediate vibe when you get the real estate lady mm -hmm. if or male, if they don't like, well, one lady really didn't like, was answering my questions kind of half, half-assed, yeah. like one-worded. And I was like, well, I'm not moving here. Like this, yeah. you suck as a sales lady. Like uh, you give me nothing really here. And the energy was so dull, but like when the energy is like upbeat, they're super excited to have you. Yeah, it's a sales tactic and yeah, I can kind of pick that out, but it comes off as very enthusiastic and very exciting and makes me kind of want to, you know, in the moment, yeah, I'll sign a lease. Like, why not? And how much longer does it take the energetic lady to get something across versus the unenergetic lady? Nothing. 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 She just sounds more confident. It literally just sounds like, and it sounds like she actually wants you there. Mm -hmm, exactly. It sounds like she could be your neighbor and she's like, yes, we'll be neighbors. We're going to have so much fun. Meanwhile, she doesn't live anywhere near the place. But I, I just, I, um, I sign up for a, a program or a service for us where for five grand what somebody will do is they'll talk to me and they'll help me get the vision of the business out of my head onto paper so everybody can see it mm -hmm. so it's better for the employees better for customers better for everything and one of the biggest reasons why i like on the phone to pull my credit card out said great five grand i'm good was two things one she called me the second that the clock turned whatever time we had the appointment which for me is big because that's what i do i have it on dial and it's like 2 p.m., boom, I hit go. That's so it's done. Mm -hmm. um, so it shows people like, hey, look, I legitimately want your business so much so that I'm going to call you on the dot because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm prepared for this. I hate when sales reps come in two minutes late and they're like, hey, sorry, I got caught up in a meeting. I'm like, I used to be a sales rep. I, you don't have that many meetings, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're just late. All yeah. right. Then the second thing is also is she just, she, you could tell she like wanted to help, which she literally could have asked the exact same questions, but the energy that she put across was like, excited for the business and again you know it's kind of what you got to do in sales so whether it's genuine or not doesn't matter at least they're giving a shit so it's like a doctor you know you want to get surgery from one they got to do the surgery anyway but one that's just like there and being empathetic versus like sorry man he died mm -hmm. like oh, oh okay thanks. sick yeah <laughs> like great you know like yeah. you could have at least been like sorry man he died you know like it's different yeah is, is there you think there's a sense of like likability too that you want to have like yeah. if you're not if you don't care to be liked do you think a lot of people can you can rub people the wrong way and like that can negatively affect your sales yeah. game 100 i mean like do you buy from salesmen that you hate no no not at all <laughs> all right it's a great great product and i know right. i'm going in there wanting it but yeah and like at that point it's yours to mess up but as a whole you buy from people that you know like and trust so you don't really trust people that you don't like mm -hmm. for the most part. So, yeah, and that's like the order of everything is know, like, and trust. It's not three things. It's, it's actual order where you can't like and trust somebody if you don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. Or you can't trust somebody if you don't know and like them. So, yeah, that's a big part of it with the salesman. So you're going to buy from people that you like. And a big part of what it takes to get somebody to like you is the energy. Mm -hmm. So when you get up on stage or when I was getting up on stage, I knew that as long as I brought the energy to the room, they would at least respect me for what I'm doing. Cause mm -hmm. it's the whole idea of like, um, do you know the man in the arena? The, that quote by Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. It's a pretty famous one. Long story short, what the quote talks about is the man in the arena is everybody's like looking at him, kind of like blasting him and this kind of stuff. But the only people like he's, how do I say it? He's in the arena. He's mm -hmm. the one doing it. So you can be in the audience going, oh, that comedian sucks. They're not funny. Like screw them. 
but at least they're up there. Mm -hmm. They're up there. They're doing it. They're getting after it. So it's like when you see other business owners or I see other business owners, I'm like, okay, I respect them for what they're doing as long as they're putting forth the effort. So even if they're putting forth tons of effort, but it's the business is not going as well as, as what they want it to be. I don't judge them. I go, wow, like I massive respect for them for doing that mm -hmm. instead of me going like, ah, eh, well, they're an idiot because it's the idea that at least you're putting yourself out there for it. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I have a very different spin than what most people have as far as like participation trophies. I'm a fan of them. Really? I think, yep. I, I think they're necessary. Why? Um, because you need to reward effort because you still need to acknowledge that you lost the game, mm -hmm. but you need to reward the effort involved because if you don't reward the effort involved, are you ever going to put yourself back out there? No. So you're many. Gonna be, you're going to be discouraged. You're, yeah, you're discouraged. You're devastated. So many people are so wrapped up into this. Well, if you're not first, you're last mentality that they. That's why we have speed over perfection. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do this unless I'm comfortable with it. Oh yeah, why, you know, I'm not going to play a game. I'm not going to win. It's like, well, then you're literally going to do nothing in your life. Like you're going to have no experiences because you never take a chance unless you already know the outcome. Mm -hmm. But entrepreneurship is not. You don't know the outcome. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen to you, and you pivot so much that it's it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of acknowledge what happened. Hey, look, you know, uh, with this marketing campaign, like it didn't work at all. Mm -hmm. Like it sucks, but at least we tried it. So we, now we know that this is one way to not do it. Mm -hmm. First, you're just going, yeah, this sucks. Like what the hell, guys? Yeah, I get. It. I think you got to look at it. Like I'm not a person that likes participation trophies, but I'm also a person that was brought up that you know. I don't know, higher goals and, you know, not like just, you know, skate by. Mm -hmm. And I think the participate, the participation trophies are made for people that are down on themselves or they need that just to like have those goals. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you know what I'm trying to say it's like, they're not the go getters that, you know, other people are brought up to be. So that that's meant for people that need that need that push to say, yeah, you're doing a good job. You, do, you got the effort. Let's go for it. Let's, let's, we'll do a whole other, after this podcast, let's, we'll record a second one on the participation stuff because I have so much stuff on it because I'm like one of the only people that I know that's a big fan of them. Yeah. So I'm we'll, surprised knowing you that I, you're a big it, fan of them. Because I, yeah, but I am. Okay. I'm a big fan of them. So yeah. we'll, we'll get back to the comedy stuff, but then we'll do a second one follow up all about that because I think it's going to hopefully shed some light into it because I'm not saying you got to do it for everything, but there are certain times that it, it's necessary to keep mm -hmm. people going. So, yeah. all right. So that was the energy side of things, right? Somebody's up there on stage. They're, they're getting after it. As long as they're putting forth the energy and showing that they're in it, you're going to naturally feel the same way too, mm -hmm. which brings me to another thing that you brought up. The fourth thing that I learned was the tonality. When you're on stage, when you're making these jokes, you're saying these things, the way that you say them, they're represented in different ways. So I'm on stage. Let's say that that uh, sesame joke, right? At the end, I go, how did I uh, mix up their national type of cat with their national breed of chicken? But if I just go there and go, how did I mess up their national type of cat with their national type of chicken? Versus yeah. me doing audible go, oh, how did I mess up their national type of cat with their national type of chicken? Two different results mm -hmm. as far as what point I'm trying to get across. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned more and more about this is in sales, especially in the CSA, a lot of people, they know what to say. 
they're good at knowing what to say because it's almost robotic. If somebody gives you this objection, you give them that objection. If somebody says this, you give them that. But they don't know how to say it. Mm-hmm. And how do you say something makes everything? It makes the big difference. So in reality, I'm starting to learn that sales is probably 75% how you say it, 25% what you say. Because mm-hmm. again, how you, even if you're a terrible sales rep, but how you say things is empathetic and energetic at the same time, you're going to buy from them. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't do all the right, like if they don't ask you all the questions about what car you're looking for and this and that. But if they're just like, Alex, I'm going to be honest, man, this is the coolest car I've ever seen in my whole life. Like it's got all the bells and whistles. It's got, you know, like a five-year warranty. We're going to do all the maintenance on it for three years. It is just like, it's a crazy slam dunk of a deal. Mm-hmm. You're at least now going to start to think about it. Oh, well, it's a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. Versus yep. just like, you know, like they didn't ask you a single question. They didn't ask you what kind of car you're looking for. They just went right into it. It's, so you're going to have to kind of navigate those waters a little bit. But the way that they say things and the tonality of it, it goes back to that energy. It's huge. Mm-hmm. You have to say things the right way for people to take them in the right way. Well, it's like when you ask your, your wife, your girlfriend, uh, when they ask you, how do I look in this you know, mm-hmm. outfit? And you go, hey, you look good. That's it? That's because you didn't you didn't convince them you didn't say it with mm-hmm. a good tonality you're like oh wow damn you look good right yeah exactly they yes. would just go right back and smile but you're in the rabbit hole because you didn't say it like that and i did that with christy yesterday where i was telling her how i i ask certain things mm-hmm. so if somebody comes to me uh like when i sell up I'm, I'm i'm usually more blunt and i'm just like look i, I gotta be honest man it sounds like you haven't done anything to help your business out mm-hmm. what are you hoping that i can do for you because you've done nothing for yourself yet so i'll, I'll say like very blunt things like that mm-hmm. But the way that I say it, I don't say it like how I just did. I'll usually raise my voice very high, my, an upward inflection. Like, I, I got to be honest, man. Like, it sounds like you haven't done too much for your business. So, like, what are you hoping I can do for the business that, you know, is actually going to work mm-hmm. or something like that? Like, but the way, the way that I, I do these upward inflections, it, it's, it's strategic, mm-hmm. but it's also I'm naturally a curious person. Yeah. So, I want to know look, like what's going on that you're hoping I can do it versus me just go, Alex, look, you've done nothing for your company so far. What are you hoping I can do for you? Yeah. And it's just like, Definitely. it's a difference. One in, sounds very concerning. One sounds like judgy. Ex- 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 exactly why. Mm-hmm. That's exactly, that's why um, in that book, Never Split the Difference, when they talk about your do your best to not ever ask somebody why. Ask them what or how. Alex, why'd you wear that shirt today? Versus Alex, what made you wear that shirt today? It was clean. Alex, how'd you pick that shirt out today? <laughs> It was clean. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, yeah. so, but it's like, like why is a cornering yeah, thing? Why is like, you're completely like, oh, that's an ugly shirt. Yeah, exactly. You know, like why, why'd you choose that car? Versus mm-hmm. what made you choose that car? Same tonality, but just the difference yeah. in why versus what made you huge difference. Yeah. Why'd you call me today? What made you call me today? Big difference. So mm-hmm. the same thing with tonality it, it, with everything is like, why'd you choose that shirt versus like, Hey, why'd you choose that shirt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See you that? actually care instead of yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly versus judgy yeah so the tonality of what the way that you say things is really 75 80 percent of the sale mm-hmm. in my opinion mm-hmm. it's all how you say it and that is something that you can hear all the time but until you practice it and you start to get comfortable with it it is tough yeah, i was just about to say like it, it takes repetition like yeah. you, you can't just like go off the bat and be like it might even come off awkward the first couple times you do yeah. it but that, that effort of trying and you'll learn from that and you'll get better yeah it like when I when I speak, at first I used to try this like deep voice thing, and it didn't work. So now I go Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> so, so I go really high up on it, 
and that's more of my style and I feel more comfortable with it. And instead of me coming in with this like baritone, like deep, like, you know, you're listening to me now. I come in with just a nice high, like friendly voice and it mm-hmm. helps a lot. And I can say a lot of the blunt things that I say because it's just who I am. I, I'm really wondering that like, hey, look, why'd you start your goddamn business? Like that's mm-hmm. like, you've done nothing for yourself. Yeah. But if I can say it in a proper tone, it makes people feel like I'm not judging them because I'm not, but I'm just curious on like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So I took a sports broadcasting class in college mm-hmm. and they teach you, they give you examples of, uh, you know who Dick Vitale is, yeah. the college basketball yeah. analyst. He's very, he starts everything with a high pitch. Like yeah. he's very animated, but it's not like, you shouldn't do it that way because in the good moments that deserve that, there's there's nowhere to top it. Like once you start off at that high pitch, you can't top it really. Oh, that's so if good. you start as a barrel tone, like kind of monotone, I'm just like, oh, he passed the ball, missed the shot. When it gets to the end and they hit the shot with three seconds to go, you're excited and that gets everybody else excited. Like, what? That was a crazy shot. When really it could just be in like a wide open layup. Uh-huh. But it gets it's like you're setting the tone of what is actually exciting, not every play. Oh, that's cool. So that's kind of like a uh, like a call to action. Like if you like on a website or a video, if you emphasize everything, then it loses the it loses the effect. Yeah, I mean, you like the ShamWow guys or the mm-hmm. you know those uh, the, the Chop Infomer- Shop yeah. or whatever infomercials, they'll. You know, they're animated at the call to actions or when their their product is really hitting why it's different. It's like while he's, you know, dicing up the fruit and it comes out in those cubes. That's where he's more excited than just, you know, you dice up the cubes, you do this. But look at how, look how good they come out. Oh, you see, that's it's kind of the same philosophy. Yeah, it's, a, it's like the same thing that like we do with all the marketing stuff where like things that we want you to look, you draw your eyes to on the page are, certain, are different colors. Exactly. The color that stands out. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to make a call to action gray. We're going to make it red or orange. Yeah, because it, it, odds are you're not fully uh attentive the entire four hour game right but you're gonna be intensive and you can remember the exciting parts and the announcer is there to help that interesting okay well that's hey i never knew that that's you, cool you could use it for sales yeah i mean it's, it it's, it's the same thing i mean it's the same exact thing because you want to draw attention to certain aspects of it yeah so um yeah that's the tonality side is you 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 need to let people know that you're there for the right reasons and you do that by changing your pitch and changing your tone mm-hmm. so that leads us to the fifth thing which was actually uh one that i've made the biggest change on is when we did this class we didn't just go in there rattle off a bunch of jokes and then the next class go and rattle off a bunch of different jokes and go in there rattle off a bunch of different jokes the third time it was the exact same script over and over and over and we would just continuously take material out or rework material in it what happens with with um sales is people come in and they sell somebody something then the next time they go to sell somebody else something they do it completely differently they don't stick to their process there's no system behind it so it's almost like every time they try to sell somebody something it is a different process of doing it which if you continuously change your process or your system you're gonna have results all over the place Mm -hmm. so instead of just trying to continuously go into every sale doing something differently and yes there's certain sales that are different you know like selling a home is going to be different than selling a you know a drywall repair mm-hmm. but to actually have a set system and process in place and then refine off that process that is how you optimize this stuff because then what you can do is if you record your calls you can go back and listen for like the the questions that you asked that may not have hit so well yeah and you go okay do i replace those do I say them differently or do I go ahead and just re- completely remove them from the sales system? But when you can go back and you can refine it, well, now you're in this place where it's 
repeatable where mm-hmm. you know, hey, if I say this, they're going to say that. And then if I respond with this, they're going to buy mm-hmm. versus trying to wing it every single time. You're fine-tuning your craft. Yes. Instead of reinventing the wheel every time, you're fine-tuning your craft. Exactly. It's, it, let's look at the Patriots. They've been great for 20 years. What, why? Everyone knows what they're going to do. They're going to take away your weakness and exploit it. Yep. But no one can stop them. But they don't change their game plan. Every other team changes their game plan to try to beat them. Yeah. And they always lose. Why do you think that is? Because they're not following their own process. Yeah. The Patriots follow their process every single game. That's why they're, you know, what, six, seven Super Bowls? I mean, yeah. Exactly. It, it, it's the one thing to stop them, obviously, but you can't go off track. They're just every game, every year, they fine tune how they're going to beat you. That's mm-hmm. it. It's the same thing for years. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you try to change up how you painted a house every single time, not major changes, but big enough changes that it's going to throw you off each time. And that's how most people attack this sales game. They don't have a set structure in which they do it. Even in the CSA, that's why we created a a script where you come into the CSA, there's a nine point process where it teaches you, here's how you answer the phone. Here's how you then call them back. Here's then how you ask them what they want. Here's now how you tell them about your process. And then here's the five steps of the Shin Fu. Mm -hmm. So it's all laid out right there in the way that even within the first step or the, 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 at this point, fifth step, which is the pain and pleasure step or the motive, figure out what's going on. When I do role plays with people, they're all over the place. They'll, they'll ask me a question about, you know, well, what kind of paint color do you want? Great. Well, what's your wife's name? Okay, got it. Now, who's going to be looking at this paint? Got it. Okay. Now, what have you done? Are you going to hire other contractors? And I'm like, what is the rhyme or reason here? Mm-hmm. There is none. They're all over the map and they're asking questions just to ask questions. So now when we script it out, there is an exact rhyme or reason to why you ask these certain questions in this specific order and specific manner. And then that way you figure out what what order of, you know, what set of questions work for you. And then you just repeat that over and over and over because a repeatable sales process is one that will allow you to continuously earn money. Yeah. And, and- I think that's where people think it didn't work for me because I didn't get the sale, but it's not the overall principle that you're, you believe in that mm-hmm. failed you. It was your process and, and how you actually executed that, you know, that principle. So I think that's where people have to look into that more and not the overall process. They need to change yeah. a whole new philosophy. You don't. It's just you have to fine tune your, pro- your, your process and your execution. So it sounds like what you're saying is give a participation trophy for somebody who's um, trying it. We'll find out next podcast. That's <laughs> what I'm actually saying. But so, so that's and that's exactly right. Is you're not trying to reinvent the wheel every time. If you get up and you're in MLB and you swing and you miss a pitch, you don't automatically start to hit switch. Like you don't jump on the other side and go, okay, well, right-handed didn't work. Let me try left-handed now. If you try different things every single time, you have too many variables mm-hmm. in the world of marketing. If you try, it's called A and B testing, but if you try to do two different things at the same time, I don't, I change up something relatively small or I just only test one variable versus testing a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. You know, if this first, if I had two pages and I want to see which one's going to do better and convert more leads, I'm not going to make one, you know, let's say, uh, let's just make the color, just make it easy. The color background of one is red and the color background of the other one is green. Mm -hmm. I don't then add a bunch of new text, a bunch of testimonials to the green one, because then I don't know if red or green is better because green has all this other stuff going on mm-hmm. on the page. So yeah. you just kind of figure out what is right and what is wrong with it. And that's the same thing with comedy. You don't create a new script each time you figure out, you do your set. So on that set, uh, you know, like the, if you listen for like the three, the three things that you think about or that you're mentally prepared for, 
when you're high. I would remove that bit or change it or replace it with something else because when I said the punchline, it didn't land. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, great. Instead of me just going, well, I'm going to throw the whole thing away and start all over. Now I just know to get rid of that set. But the rest of the set is good mm-hmm. because I'm not selling this. I'm not performing to the same people every single night. You're not selling to the same people over and over and over so they see the, that it's robotic. Each person thinks that they're the first person that you did this process with. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna. I'm gonna get the same laughs each time. If you watch how all the stand-up comedy uh, comedians do it, they do in the small clubs. They do a set, then they work their way up to the bigger clubs, do the same set with small bits of refinement, and then eventually they move up to their Netflix special. Mm-hmm. But by the time they're on Netflix, that's not the first time they've done those jokes. They've done them dozens and dozens of times in different arenas, different venues, working up to that. So they know all the jokes that are gonna work. And mm-hmm. if for some reason they want to try something new, they don't do an entire new stand-up. They just put one joke in there. Because you never want to have back-to-back jokes that don't land. Mm-hmm. Because if you do that twice, now the audience thinks that you're not funny and they're against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's why they made you cut down from 15 minutes to yes. five. Because you can do that. You can cut out the jokes that don't, they don't land. land. And, then, so. and if you want to try something new, you throw it in there. But you don't want to throw in two weird questions in like a sales process. Because if you ask two in a row, they're going to be like, what is wrong with yeah. this guy? But if you, have, if you ask a good one, then you ask a new one. It doesn't go well. Save it with the next one that's a good question again. So they're like, okay, now I'm back on their side. It's the, it's the pre, pre-sale planning, I think, is yeah. the big picture there. That you need to be able to plan this out and, and write it down and be able to analyze yourself after the call of actually what went wrong and yeah. what went great. And you can keep it. Yeah. Take, keep, it's like when you're dating, mm-hmm. you know, you break up with someone, you you figure out this is what I liked about them. This is what I didn't like about them. And then the next person you move on to, you find somebody who has the stuff that you liked and less of the stuff that you didn't like. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. There you go. You're not going from, you know, oh, this, uh, this girl was great for this. And then now it didn't work out. So let me go pick up on this dog or something, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like totally random, like totally new. Like you just, you don't reinvent the wheel each time. Yeah. So those are the five things that I really took away from the comedy class that I didn't really like. I, I may have knew a little bit about, but it really stuck with me in comedy. It's been helping me out with sales. So it's the idea of scripting out what you're going to say, the idea of using the proper tonality. That is everything. Timing of what you say with those silences and those pauses is big. The energy is huge. And then last but not least, oh, this is one I didn't even talk about. Not everybody's going to laugh at your jokes. That's the fifth thing. Mm-hmm. When you sell, there's a lot of people that are not your customer. There's a lot of people in that audience. When I say a lot, maybe like only one that didn't <laughs> laugh at what I was doing. Yeah. So, not everybody's going to get my humor. But if I try to, if I if I don't make one person laugh, and I fixate on them and go, oh, they didn't laugh. This must be a bad set. Well, I'm forgetting about the other, you know, 300 people in the room, and I'm thinking about that one person that didn't laugh. Mm-hmm. And instead of me reinventing the wheel and going, let me start over because that one person didn't laugh. I just go screw it. They weren't ever gonna laugh at me anyway. Yeah, that, that's uh, in the comedy world, and that's why the Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr's new specials that came out last year, they kind of talk about how they jumped on the grenade for everybody because there's gonna be that offend culture now mm-hmm. that they don't, they're not gonna like these, but majority of their fans loved it. Right. So that's why they did it, and that's that's the same principle. You're not gonna make everybody happy. You're not gonna make everybody laugh. So that's be okay with the rejection. Yeah. Like if you get a, one bad review. Are you going to completely change up your business model and, and what you guys do because you've had 300 good reviews and one bad review? No. No. Same with your sales process. You you don't make a sale. You don't go back and reinvent the wheel. You listen to just go, okay, was this person ever going to buy from me anyway? Mm-hmm. Do I need to take out one weird question and, and replace it with a better one? Or was it the fact that 
my bud, you know, for what they wanted me to do was going to cost them 10 grand and they only had 500 bucks to spend. So no matter what I was going to do, they weren't going to buy. Yeah. I mean, 95% of the time, a, a good company that has a bunch of good reviews, that one star review is for kind of an outlier experience where they had and they kind of either they either put it on themselves or it was circumstances you couldn't really control that just, yeah. you know, led it to a bad experience. So, I mean, you know, you can't change your whole company values from it. Yeah. It's, it's one, one blemish mm -hmm. on it. So I knew going into that, my style of, of humor, it's not everyone's style. Audrey always makes fun of me. She was like, you're going to go on that stage, Logan. She's like, there's gonna be three people with your exact humor who are going to cry laughing mm -hmm. and everybody else is just gonna be like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> so I had to switch it up. Like I had to do a style that worked more for like the crowd mm -hmm. versus like what I would naturally like. Yeah. Um, but it, it worked cause it was more like you want to play to the masses. And, and if you have 300 people and 50 don't laugh, but 250 laughed, that's a win. That's a win. Yeah. That's I think, win. I think the whole crowd liked dark jokes anyway. Yeah, they, they like did. Yeah. The dark comedy. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm, I guess in the grand scheme of, of things, I don't think mine were that dark, but no. you're talking about having such like taboo. Dolphins. Yeah. Like yeah. taboo stuff. Like you wouldn't talk at Thanksgiving dinner necessarily that's what we brought up before i was like look everybody looks at porn but nobody wants to talk about it so yeah i guess so. yeah so like you can use comedy as that vehicle one, one six-year-old man did talk about porn yeah. though so <laughs> he did yeah so um yeah so those are the five things make sure that you guys are understanding that you're there's a lot of people that you're not going to sell to and that's okay but don't sacrifice the other four things and change that up because that one person wasn't going to buy from you anyway mm -mm. all right nope so do us a favor Hopefully this this new format of throwing in my my comedy maybe we'll start to throw the comedy thing in in every episode. Maybe you just have to do a stand up. Yeah, start yeah, each video. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do me a favor if you liked this uh, and this made sense to you about those five things. Script all this stuff out. I got it. If you're on uh, iTunes, drop us just a little comment uh, in the review section. Help us helps us out big time to let us know are we doing them? Are we doing a good job? Um, and then if you're on YouTube, hit the like button, please. It really does help. Um, and I know for me, like I'm. I was like nervous putting myself out there with the uh, putting my video mm -hmm. on there because I'm like, well, I got to stand by it now. But I mean, I already performed it in front of 300 people. Everybody so. saw it, honestly. So yeah, you might as well just get it out and there. I keep showing to everybody that I'm like, hey, like, <laughs> hey, oh, I'm Logan. Watch this. Yeah. So, <laughs> Santa comedian. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So we get on this one. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm cool. Good. Guys, thank you very much.